You are listening to the Hippie Haven podcast, where we have real-life conversations about all things hippie, from veganism to zero waste to manifesting to minimalism and everything in between. I'm your host, Callie. I'm a zero-waste activist and consultant traveling the United States in a van with a mission of encouraging people to live an ethical and eco-friendly lifestyle. With this podcast, I want to show you how easy it can be to take small steps that make a big difference in saving our planet. Let's get started. This episode of the Hippie Haven podcast is brought to you by The Sustainable Switch, an online zero-waste store that offers stainless steel straws, three-in-one metal utensils, and reusable snack and produce bags. They also sell in bulk, so if you run a business or organization looking for sustainable alternatives, check them out. Use my discount code, a hippie in a van, that's A-H-I-P-P-I-E-I-N-A-V-A-N, to save 10% off your order over $15, or 10% off your bulk order of 50-plus items. Visit thesustainableswitch.com to shop now. Today on the Hippie Haven podcast, I'm chatting with Addie Fisher, a sustainable living enthusiast and influencer known on Instagram as at oldworldnew. Addie graduated from the University of Arkansas with a bachelor's in architecture studies and minors in both interior design and sustainability. She originally started her blog, Old World New, six years ago as a class project, and it has since evolved into an informational platform about eco-friendly living. Addie talks about her journey into sustainability, what her experience has been as a Black woman in this field, and how she aims to show that everything can be done sustainably, no matter what your background or income level. So tell me about your personal and professional background in sustainability. All right. So my sustainability journey began in college. I was an architecture major turned interior design major, still undecided, but sort of not allowed to change my mind um, because of strict parenting. (laughs) But in the midst of my study abroad and trying to starting to lean back towards architecture, I discovered sustainability um, through historic preservation because that is my favorite part of architecture. I love old things and the old ways of life. So um, once I returned back to Arkansas, um, I went to the University of Arkansas, go hogs. Once I returned, I found out that my school had started a sustainability program for a minor if you're an undergrad and they had a different type of program for graduate students. So I jumped headfirst into it. I started minoring in the program. I started working in the newly founded um, sustainability office on campus. I did a capstone project on it and I started a blog for a class and I just continued it and never stopped. Awesome. And you offer individual sustainable lifestyle, lifestyle coaching through your Patreon. Can you tell me more about that and who it's ideal for? Yes. So it is ideal for people who are really busy and keep hearing about sustainability, but aren't quite sure what to do or where to start. People who are a little timid about it and maybe intimidated by the extremism that you kind of see in zero waste, but um, they still want to learn more about it. So I also offer like a self workbook that you can get each month. And that will help you work through it on your own. But if you need someone to bounce ideas off of, someone to critique like some of the things that you want to do and help you advance further in your sustainable living journey, the consultations would be perfect for you. That is really cool. And I'll add a link to your Patreon account in the show notes for this episode. 
Um, and then your eco-influencer group, which I just recently joined and I'm loving it so far. What is the mission of that and how and why should people get involved in it? Okay. Um, I started eco-influencers because I'm used to being the odd one out and everything. I was um, the only black girl in my AP classes uh, growing up in high school. I was the one in my class, I was the only black girl in architecture. I was the only black girl in interior design. Um, and when I went crazy about sustainability, I'm the only person in my family that's that way and in my friends group. So I wanted to connect us because usually it's the same for other eco-influencers or people who are extremely passionate about the environment, especially in a huge city like Dallas that's so spread out. Um, we need to be connected in some way. So thank goodness for the internet and platforms like that. I just wanted to bring us together so that we could help boost each other and help each other grow through our personal knowledge, through um, interacting on our platforms, you know, helping each other influence other people in the same way that we're trying to do. So you mentioned that you wanted to talk more about being a Black woman in the sustainable living movement. What has your experience been? Yes. Um, personally, sometimes it's kind of lonely because I don't have friends who are as enthused about it as I am. Um, and there aren't that many people to connect with that are of my culture and background. And, you know, representation really, really, really matters. Um, when you see yourself in something that's bigger than you, it makes you want to go and be a part of it. So my mission, um, aside from just my personal belief of trying to be sustainable for the earth, for future generations, I want to bring other people in with me. And it's, it's difficult because um, what I've found is that people have their own struggles. They focus on what's hardest for them. And so when they see something like sustainability, which is usually advertised as well-to-do white women are the forerunners for it, they think, oh, that's not for me. That's not my struggle. That's not my problem. But I want to inform people that, you know, don't look at it as not your problem. Look at it as part of something that you can help be uh, a change maker for. So I'm hoping to influence people that look like me to become more sustainable um, as I'm on my personal journey as well. My parents' hometown is Nashville, Arkansas. Most people have never heard of it. Nashville does not have recycling center. Most everyone there I know um, use bottled water. They don't use like anything like a charcoal filter or um, a, Brita, a Brita water pitcher. Um, so there's no representation of sustainability for them to see. Um, it's a food desert. They do have a small farmer's market because it is a small town in Arkansas. So there are farmers all around, but it's not something that everyone is privy to. So the representation of sustainability to them is non-existent. And this is a community that is, um, I'd say, half and half white and black and other minorities mixed in there. But there's a big disparity between um, the economic level of the races. So the black people there don't have access. It's not on TV. If it is, they're probably not watching it. It's not in the store shelves. It's not something that they follow on Instagram or Facebook that much. So representation for them to see, you know, sustainable living as something positive and something achievable, it's not there for them. Mm -hmm. And how do environmental issues affect minority areas differently than the predominantly white neighborhoods? 
Um, I feel like that is that can be a minority issue as well as a um, socioeconomic status issue. Have you ever seen the movie um, Erin Brockovich? So she lived in a lower income community. Her family was very poor and they were being poisoned by a big company and people were dying because of it. And the company didn't want to take, you know, credit for it. They didn't want to do the right thing in order to help these people live a better life. So um, the environmental issues end up impacting minorities and people of lower income backgrounds differently because they feel like they don't have the manpower or the, the right to stand up for themselves in issues that are harming them uh, because of environmental injustices. Um, black people, lower income people, I won't say black people, not all black people, but people of a lower income, um, they end up living near waste wastelands they end up living in food deserts they end up living um in places that don't have you know access to sustainable marketing so they're on the short end of the stick they don't get to revel in sustainability they don't get to you know have the happy farmers market experience farming is seen as you know something that your grandpa does and a lot of people don't really understand the importance of switching to something old you know they're trying to do the flashy thing and live up to the hype that's on TV instead of focusing on the natural, uh, the natural thing. But yeah, um, lower income people have less access to the sustainable lifestyle. Yeah, and it seems to me like it's not even necessarily that they end up living near landfills or, um you know, like slaughterhouses and whatnot, but that the companies and the industries choose to put the landfills and the slaughterhouses in those existing neighborhoods um, or the grocery stores. Most definitely. Yeah, the grocery stores choose not to add a location in that neighborhood. So it, you know. Mm-hmm. That is very true. Yeah, unfortunately, environmental racism is, is definitely a very serious and significant issue in the United States. Mm-hmm. It is, and and really worldwide. I've um, since being on Instagram and learning more about sustainability through Instagram influencers. One of the things I saw early on is that a lot of them come from Australia, and now what I'm seeing also is a rise in anti-racism influencers. And I did not know that like racism in Australia was just as bad, if not worse, than it is in America. And people face those same environmental injustices there as they do here people of color and people of lower income backgrounds. Yeah, I didn't know that either, but unfortunately it doesn't surprise me to learn it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the unfortunate part, yeah. yeah. Now, a big part of your niche is showing that sustainability is something that everyone from all walks of life can and should care about, including people on a tight budget. So what would you recommend for someone without any disposable income or even much free time to make eco-friendly choices around their home? There are some choices that save you money, point blank, period. Um, When my husband and I were still dating uh, before we became married, I asked him if he wanted to switch to um, a paperless kitchen. I didn't really ask. I kind of said, we're going to try this out for a while. (laughs) And he was like, "Um, okay. So we have had a paperless kitchen for the majority of our relationship. Uh, So like going on four years now, no paper towels at all. We don't buy them. If you don't buy paper towels, that's money that you're keeping in your pocket. 
So some sustainable choices, some choices that seem like an antiquated thing to do, actually save you money and positively impact the environment at the same time. Yeah, definitely. I know paper towels themselves can cost a dollar or two per roll. And if, you know, a family is using a roll every couple days, it's going to add up over the year to be several hundred dollars. Yes. And several hundred dollars could be um, an activity to enroll your child in for the school year that most um, lower income families don't get to do. So it can make a big impact. Definitely. And speaking of children, you run an eco baby blog called Tiny Green Earthling, which has a fantastic resource map of natural baby stores across the U.S. And I'll link to that in the show notes as well. How have you been able to maintain a sustainable lifestyle with an infant? It started from the beginning. Um, I learned about cloth diapers. I learned about breastfeeding. And those are two major ways that you can be sustainable. Um, You know, we used... um, glass bottles instead of plastic bottles so if something happened to those you can recycle them plastic bottles you know plastic leeches uh bad things into your food so why would you want to give your newborn child you know a plastic bottle um cloth diapers they're reusable they are easily cleaned Uh, they're not like the old ones when people, when you tell somebody from the older generation that you're using cloth diapers, they automatically think it's disgusting. But these you can throw into the washing machine and they're freaking adorable. <laughs> you get addicted to them. So you have to be mindful not to buy too many because they're fun. So, yeah, from the very beginning, just keeping um, the environment in mind. We don't want to throw away our money or the toxic chemicals of, um, um, excuse me, disposable diapers. They can be irritating to your baby's skin because of all the stuff that's in them. And then once they're in the landfill, it's a mess. And one thing that people don't know, people who do use disposable diapers, you're not supposed to throw the poop into the landfill. You're supposed to flush it down the toilet first. So there's little ways that you can still be sustainable, even if you have to use disposable diapers. Because I understand like many daycares don't accept cloth diapers. But I do encourage people, if they do want to use cloth diapers but can't find a daycare that accepts it, ask them anyway. Demonstrate it to them. Show them how easy it is and, you know, let them know that you'll be the one washing them. They just need to put it away in your wet bag and they may change their mind and help you become more sustainable. That's awesome. Now, do you have, is your extended family supportive of your lifestyle or have you had, you know, instances with your son of them buying a ton of gifts or disposable items that you wouldn't have chosen yourself? They pretty much stick to my requests. I've been kind of leery about making these requests because they're different. And like I've said, I've always been the different child in the family in school but um for our baby shower I said no disposable diapers please um that's very popular in my culture for people to even have um just a single baby shower where they bring you a lot of disposable diapers and people can stack them up to the ceiling in the closet I said no disposable diapers I gave them several links to show them like the kind of cloth diapers we liked And I had a game at the baby shower where they had to be blindfolded and change a cloth diaper. So that really got people excited and intrigued about them. So they were happy to buy cloth diapers instead of disposable ones for us. So how can people try to cut down on their waste, even if their family members aren't on board over the holiday season? 
Um, I encourage um, families, one thing to start using glass storage containers of some sort. I know there are always a lot of leftovers on Thanksgiving. Um, we always eat them in my family, though. They, they are gone by the next few days. Um, but what I also notice is a lot of cling wrap and a lot of um, Ziploc bags. So invest in um, beeswax wrap. Maybe give that as a gift to your aunts because they're the ones cooking. Um, I know that when I gift things to my aunt, she gets excited about them. She used to buy those bendy straws, bendy plastic straws, buy the packs every month. And I gave her a glass straw first and then a silicone straw. And she uses them religiously now. So she doesn't buy her bendy straws anymore. That made my heart so happy. So gift these things to your family members so that they can try them out and see, you know, this is a perfectly good solution to, um, to instead of using plastic. And then for gifts, um, one of the things that I wanted to be mindful of very early on for my son is not too many toys. Because in my research, I've learned that and um too many toys makes children focus less. So I want him to focus more and learn, especially since we stay home. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and it's just us most days. Um, I don't want him hopping back and forth between toys, not focusing. So last Christmas, which was his first big Christmas, he could actually open presents. We instated a four-gift rule. And this is just from us. Um, his grandparents went crazy a little bit, but they got one thing. It was a drum set. Um, for us, we did four gifts, and one was a book, something he wanted, something he needed, and something to wear. So books are really important for us. I buy a lot secondhand. Um, one thing he needed was um, a new diaper, so we got him a new cloth diaper. One thing he wanted was a backpack. He was very, he was one year old, but very adamant about having a backpack, so we got him a backpack, and we just got him one new outfit. So that's really simple. It doesn't add too much junk to the already messy toy pile that he has, even though we try to stay minimalist about it. Um, I used brown paper, wrapping paper, and I let him color on it afterwards. Um, and if I were to ever use uh, like a bag or anything, I have a stockpile from his first birthday and from his baby shower that I will go through until they're gone before I even buy another bag at all. <laughs> Those are great ideas. What is your number one tip for starting to live an ethical and eco-friendly lifestyle? It starts with your mind. You have to read a little bit. You have to research. You have to see what eco-influencers have done. So get on Pinterest. It's Pinterest is my favorite thing. <laughs> it's so easy. Get on Pinterest and search sustainable living or zero waste and see what other people have done. And then think about it and see where you can incorporate it into your life. Um Paper going paper without paper, excuse me, going paperless is super easy. You know, don't buy any more paper towels. How easy is that? And then invest in a few um, flower sack towels or absorbent towels, not just your regular um, decorative towels because those don't clean up well and that will frustrate you. Invest in some good towels that will help you stay clean. Keep them clean regularly. So throw them in with your regular load of clothes. Keep them in a little basket or in a drawer in your kitchen, and there you go. You don't have to buy paper towels, and you have towels on hand. So my last question then is, what is the legacy that you'd like to be remembered for? Um, 
I always think of Beyonce's song, I Was Here, I Lived, I Learned, and I Loved. So I lived, and hopefully I lived a sustainable and admirable life. Um, I learned. I learned a, a lot. I'm learning a lot, and hopefully I continue to learn a lot. But also in learning a lot, I want to share that knowledge with other people. And hopefully they can learn a lot too. And I loved. I love my family. I love people I meet. Um, I like, I'm, I'm quick to love folks. <laughs> and I love the earth. And I want to protect it for the future generations of people to come. So yeah, I lived, I learned, I loved. Oh, I love that. And I love that song too. It's so touching. Yes, <laughs> it is. All right. Well, Addie, thank you so much for coming on the Hippie Haven podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed it. And all of the show notes for this episode will be available at ahippieinavan.com forward slash zero one two. Hey guys, Callie here. Thank you so much for listening to the Hippie Haven podcast. Your support means the world to me. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave a review in iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It only takes 60 seconds, but it really helps because reviews influence how easily people can find this podcast in search results. We also have an exclusive community over on Facebook. So if you want to connect with me and other like-minded people, just type Hippie Haven in the Facebook search bar and join our group. Thanks again and stay tuned every Wednesday for the next episode.